Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Feliz Sabado. Shabbat Shalom. Bon Sabbat. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. We, uh, we, we, we put the, uh, some questions out there on the topic of love and relationships, singleness, dating, and marriage out online and also to our young adult ministry here at our church. And a lot of just overwhelming questions and thoughts and so forth came flooding in. And so we said, you know what, we, we, we've got to deal with this subject. And so we're going to dive into this. I hope you got your Bibles. As you can see on the screen, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 25. Another thing I just mentioned is you also saw the time I just got up. All right. So I was saying to pray with me. All right. Uh, one other thing before we pray that I want to also highlight, we're in this month right now where love is getting an emphasis. Amen. And, uh, and, and of course, this coming week. Uh, but we also want to affirm and recognize and give some love and show some love to those uh, of my hue, to those of my uh, complexion and, and background and heritage. Amen. I uh, love the richness of the diversity in this church. We're going to touch on that a little bit later on in today's message. Uh, but it is, I think, appropriate to affirm the history and the accomplishments of those that look a little bit something like me. Um, and, 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 and to just know that God has, in the midst of struggle, used the, the black community and the African-American community in their contribution. So I just want to affirm that. But uh, let's go ahead and pray and dive into this message. I really do believe God has a word for you today. Whether you're married, single, wherever you are in the landscape, uh, landscape I believe God has something for you today. Let's pray. Loving Father, as the song was so beautifully sung, there is... No greater love than this, that you sent your son, your only son, your begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to reveal to us in human flesh what your love looks like. And there's no greater place to look and see where that love was so brightly shining than on the cross of Christ. May we go there every day in our time with you to get a glimpse, to let our hearts be broken and melted in the overwhelming power of your love revealed in Christ. Right now, God, we need you right now. Our homes need you. Our youth need you. We need you right now to be present, to speak to our hearts. God, we believe through the beautiful worship that has been rendered today through our worship ministry, such a wonderful experience today. But now that our hearts are poised, we want to see Jesus. We're talking about relationships and marriage, but God, we want to see Jesus. Help us to see him, know him, experience him, leave with him today. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. When I was uh, dating my wife earlier on in our relationship, she would often call me a hopeless romantic. 
And I would quickly interject and say, wait a minute, hold on, no, I am a hopeful romantic. And what she was alluding to is, is that I loved the walks in the park, the romantic comedies. I liked the uh, thoughtful surprises. As a matter of fact, I probably mentioned this to many of you, but uh, when we would talk about the marriage subject as we were dating, um, I initially could barely say the word, uh, but once I finally wrapped my mind around and committed to that process, I remember that she said to me, she said, CJ, if you ever propose, I need it to be as intimate and as, as private as possible. Just low key. And I just nodded my head and smiled. Absolutely. Sure. Aaron knows what I'm talking about. Yes. I just, I just, I just nodded my head and made that thing as public as possible. Holy Land experience, Bible, theme park down in Orlando, Florida, right at the temple there, Jerusalem temple, and a uh, big speaker blasting throughout the entire park, uh, got on a microphone, got down on my knees and proposed to Deidre, right, shock and awe, right, and, uh, and, and, and that's how it happened. Now, look, I can, I, I can already hear some of you right now saying, oh, that's, that's so sweet, CJ, you know, some of you may be saying, oh, that's just so sweet, but I'm also aware that I lost some of you right there. I lost some of you right there. Because you're saying to yourself probably, you know, Pastor CJ, I really thank you, but I really don't need to hear your sappy love story. Because that's not my story right now. You know, some of us are, are single, some of us have been in bad relationships, some of us have uh, been divorced, and Look, thanks, CJ, but, but, but no thanks. You know, we're, we're coming around a time where everybody's going to be talking about love. Love's going to just, that word's just going to get thrown around, you know, very just loosely. We know right now that people are going to be talking about what they're doing this week, February 14th. And for some of you, you're going to get that dreadful question, what are you doing on February 14th? For some of us, that's, that's a cringe moment, right? So not everybody's looking forward to it. And I understand. I get it. You know, our, our society right now is obsessed with love, sex, and marriage. Watch just, just the programs, on the, the music, the culture is obsessed with the subject. However, the most recent statistics will let us know that we're not doing a very good job at them. And so, and so I, think it, I think it really does behoove us to really challenge and rethink how we have been conditioned in our culture to think about these subjects. Amen? And, and I'm a pastor, a follower of Jesus, so I think we need to come from a biblical perspective, amen, and find God's ideals for relationships. And I think there's no better place to find those ideals as to how God intended this whole thing to work, how God wanted it to work, than in the chapter of Genesis chapter 2. Right on the heels of creation, in a perfect environment, as God forms Adam out of the dust of the ground and he, he breathes the breath of life into his nostrils, he, different than any other, any other of his other creation, he comes close, very personal. Matter of fact, in, in Genesis chapter 2, that's where God is introduced as the Lord God. Beginning of Genesis chapter 2, why is that uh, significant? Well, because the Lord there, if it's in all caps, is God's personal name, Yahweh. He's introducing himself as the relational covenant up close and personal God. And he does that with Adam. And so, of course, he 
forms Adam, and then he does something very interesting with Adam that I really want to direct your attention to. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you don't have it open, I'm just going to assume you've memorized it. So here we go. Verse 15, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God, so that the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. To tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely what? Die. And the Lord God said, It is not good. It is not what? It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Spoiler alert. If you're familiar with Scripture, you know that God, of course, is going to eventually give Adam his wife Eve, right? Well, let's just pause for a moment here, guys. Let's just assume we don't know how the rest of the story is going to go. And let's put some attention really quick on single Adam. Let's put some attention on single Adam for a second. Because I believe our message today is entitled The Mission of Marriage. The Mission of Marriage. Again, as I was mentioning earlier, we're not doing a very good job at it in our current society, particularly in the West. And so I think, you know, we need to re-challenge those ideas. And so uh, we're not doing a good job at it, I believe, because we don't fully understand what marriage is and all that leads up to it. And as we're going to talk about today, the mission of marriage. I was struck by a text I'm going to, we're going to share in a little bit that is just clearly God just explains the mission of marriage. But I believe what we just read, God's trying to let us know. If you want to experience, if you want to enter into the mission of marriage, you've got to learn how to be fulfilled and complete while single. You've got to, you've got to be fulfilled and complete while single. It's kind of like a band. Think of some musicians that play together and they just make beautiful music together. Several of those musicians, particularly if they're professional paid musicians, have their own solo careers and gigs on their own. As a matter of fact, you know, get one of them to just do some solo, particularly those that are, uh, that are offering Christian music, right? They, they could simply bless everybody by just getting on the saxophone or on the piano like we had Andy do earlier and just bless all of us. But there's something that happens that is greater and bigger than themselves when you put them together in a band and it renders some beautiful music together, right? You take somebody very talented on their own, they do a really good job. When you put somebody else like that, that is complete in their own profession and gifting, and you bring them all together, there's something beautiful that happens that's larger than themselves. But on their own, they can make some pretty decent music. Amen? Okay. And so it's kind of like that. See, some of us, some of us need to learn how to be better soloists before we try to be successful duets. And, and, and so we need to learn, how, how do we do this thing about being single, if you're single here today, whether you're single because you are a young adult, you're, you, are, you are recently divorced, and now you're single again, whatever the case may be, we need to understand, how are we to be fulfilled and complete while single? I believe Adam, 
his life, was a, his single life, gives us some points, some principles that I think we can uh, look at really quickly. Uh, again, because of time, we're not going to be able to go fully into this, and this is going to be put out as a, uh, as a blog this week, and so you'll be able to get more of the details of this. Um, but here we go. God gave Adam purpose. It's there in the text. God gave Adam purpose. You are to tend and to keep this garden. And if you understand that God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to about 27, he gives Adam, and of course, by extension, of course, coming up a little bit later, as we know, Eve, dominion. Dominion over the entire planet. Our focus right now is on Eden, but remember, they have the entire planet. Okay? And so if you, with that, with that understanding of the word dominion, you understand that we're talking about kingdom work. That's kingdom language. He has given Adam and Eve, under his reign, dominion over the earth. And so the work that God gives him is purposeful work. It is fulfilling work. It is kingdom work. Why? Because painful, toil-filled work didn't come until after sin. This was enjoyable work. It was pleasurable work. Okay? And so he gave Adam purpose. He also gave Adam more than enough to satisfy him. We sang about more than enough this morning. Uh, Adam was completely fulfilled in his relationship with God. But not just in his relationship with God, he was fulfilled in all that God had provided for him. Did you see it in the text? Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Are you getting an image there of abundance? Right? And remember, we're just talking about the garden. We're just talking about the garden. He has an entire planet of goodies to partake of. There is this idea of abundance, lavish abundance. Uh, as a matter of fact, by the way, guys, we're having, those of you that don't know, we're having a girl, and her name is actually going to be called Eden. Because it's where we're, where we're from, and it's also where we're going. I wish I had time. And so, so, so with, with this idea, the word Eden actually means desire, let me get it right, it means, yes, it means delightful, it means delightful, uh, pleasurable, and paradise in the Hebrew. It captures all three of those words. Okay? The idea there is, is that Adam is doing work, as he's fulfilling his purpose there in the garden, everything there is designed intentionally to stimulate him visually. All of the senses, sound, his, the smells, everything is beautiful there in the garden. And that's the environment in which he's fulfilling his purpose. Everything that's been placed there in the garden more than satisfies him. And there's still way more out there for him to explore in the planet. And so God gives him more than enough. He also gives Adam boundaries as a single person. Hello. He gives him boundaries so as not to seek satisfaction in evil. He says, look, there's this one minor restriction. Just one. You've got a garden full of beautiful trees, delightful fruits. Uh, but, but there's just this one. There's just this one. If you're married, you want to be able to trust that when your spouse is out and about doing what they do, maybe working or whatever, that you can trust them if they see the knowledge of the tree of, the good, of good and evil, right? And so this was not about a test. This was about trust. Okay? He had the ability, if he wanted to, to go to the ballot box and vote the devil if he wanted to. That was a reality existing there in the universe 
we don't know for how long prior, but, but, but God is saying, look, I'm pouring so much, I'm giving you so much, I'm revealing so much of my goodness and my love, I trust that I have so fully and abundantly satisfied you, you won't need to go there. You can remain pure and free to experience all that I have to fulfill every need of your life, because I even know what you want before you want it, and know what you need before you need it. And I've more than fulfilled it, and so as you're single, you don't need to go over there. Healthy boundaries, okay? And then, of course, God gave him companions. And you may, be, you may be wondering, what companions? There were no other humans yet on the planet. Well, first of all, he had the companionship of God, okay? He also had the companionship of the animals, all right? There's a lot of single people that like to get dogs or cats, right? And when you come home, the, the cat may not be so excited, but the dog is going to run right up. Now, I'm not... Anyway. And, uh, and, so, and so there's something to be said here about the companionship dimension, because it's as he is naming the animals, God makes the first pronouncement that something is not good. Every other day, this is, the, this is day six, every other day of creation... For the most part, he is saying, oh, this is good, this is good, this is good. In the Hebrew, it is, it is tov, for good. Uh, he will eventually say at the end of this day, it is tov ma'od, which is very good. That word good also means beautiful or functioning the way it's supposed to. And so he's saying, wait, but there's something that's not functioning the way it's supposed to. There's something that is not good. Uh, and, and so as he's there with Adam, Adam does have relationship, but it's God, possibly the angels, and then there's animals. But here's something you need to understand. Adam was not complaining about being alone. Adam was alone, but not lonely. Let's say it again. Adam was alone, but he was not lonely. Don't read too much into that text, because yes, it's, it, we're going to get to it where it says he didn't see anyone comparable to him. That's because he's naming all the animals, and he sees that they all have pairs, and he's just going, oh, well, I, I recognize I don't have something like that. But it's not like he's like, oh, God, what? hey, brother's got knees. It, it was nothing like that. Okay? It, 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 he, he, he was fulfilled and satisfied in this perfect environment, though he may have been aware that he did not have a companion, and of course... God gave him completeness, so much so that if you really pay attention to that text, there's a little nuance there. It says that Adam names the animal, and whatever he named the animals, that was its name. Did you see that? Okay, that, that what, it's, what it's kind of whispering to you right there is he was so in harmony and complete in the mind and in the will of God that when he went about naming the animals, he named it what it actually was in the heart of God. Dog. God's like, mm, that's right, that's its name. You follow? Complete in his relationship with God. And so here it is. Adam is not this, this single person that's not fulfilled. He's, he's not this single person that's like, God, can you please, look, here's the list. He, that, that was not Adam's experience. And you may be saying, well, he didn't have anything to, you know, there, there wasn't like a bunch of other ladies out there. And he, it's a little bit different, CJ. Oh, hold a minute for a second here. We're talking about ideals, correct? We're talking about ideals. And the picture God is intentionally slowing down, by the way, Genesis chapter 1 gives you kind of a big picture view of what happens here. Genesis in, in creation, particularly when it comes to Adam and Eve, right? Genesis chapter 2 is telling the story again, slowing down and kind of showing you how it unpacks. All right, you, you, you follow? Because it does talk about Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. But here now it's telling it again. It's kind of a Hebrew literature style of explaining a story. He's saying it again, expand and enlarge, kind of saying, see the same thing in Daniel Revelation, right? Okay. So Adam is not this single person that's like, oh God, can you please, and oh, I'm just so, I, 
I need them to complete me. That's, that's, that's not the ideal. God doesn't, God doesn't need you to have another human being to complete you. You know what that can lead to and often does lead to? Idolatry. Christ completes you. Christ satisfies you. You know what God does that's so beautiful? And we're going to see this in a second. God takes two complete people and partners them together on mission, on purpose. He doesn't take two people like, oh, I just, I need you. You hear the songs like, I worship the ground that you work on. You, you, you walk on, you hear that? Um, um, oh, I need you, girl. I, I can treat you better than he can treat you. And all this kind of foolishness. And, and, and what's going on here is God saying, no, no, no. That's not how I need you to be in a, in, 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 when you're in a relationship with me in an ideal sense. You need to be complete, satisfied. I will give you everything that you need. You're living your life on purpose. You've got kingdom work to do. And by the way, it's in the context of that kingdom work that you actually become attractive to someone else that's doing kingdom work that is single. That type of confidence, that kind of I know who I am in Christ, I am complete in him, actually is attractive versus the person that's like, oh, I just can't, oh, what if I could just find my rib and... <laughs> let's, let's, let's continue. <laughs> and so God now starts to do something very, uh, very special in this process, uh, where we're just getting a snapshot of the single life of Adam. But now God wants to move him to the next step. So come with me really quickly to, uh, uh, to verse 20. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says this. It says, So Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. In other words, like a compliment, right? To partner and go along, come alongside him. Then the Lord God, here it is, the Lord God caused a deep, a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed it up with the, uh, closed up, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, watch this, and brought her to the man. And brought her to the man. Okay. Did you notice that God put Adam to sleep? Did you see that? Because maybe God's trying to tell some of us that I don't need your help. I need you to be at rest while I take the initiative of this relationship thing. Don't try to help me out here. I, I, I need you to be at rest. So no trying to look over my shoulders and say, oh God, I need her to look like this, right? That, that, Adam wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. He wasn't there with God saying, okay, God, I, here's my list, all right? I, um, uh, she's got to have a degree and she's got to look like this and she's got this, this, and this, and I'm telling you, right? No, no, Adam, go to sleep. God's got this. I know what you need. Maybe it would help some of us. Instead of coming to God with what we want, maybe, maybe we need to go to him and say, Hey, God, what, what do you want from me? What do I need? Reveal to me in your word. Show me. What are the principles? Help me so that when I, when I see her, I recognize her because I know what you want to give me. Plus, by the way, God, God knows how you're wired. 
He really does. Like, he really, if he's sending someone to you, he, he doesn't want to just send you just kind of a half kind of, he, wa- he wants to bless you. He really does. And he's like, if you just rest, let me do what I do. I got this. Watch this. Let God prepare and bring them. Let God prepare and bring them. Let God do it. I kind of liken it to like this. I'm going to be a little open and transparent here with you guys. I kind of liken it to this. I liken it to being in a crowd full of people. In a crowd full of people. And in this crowd, is your, there are potential spouses, right? And as you're in this crowd full of people, you know, it, the tendency is I've got a crowd full of people, there's, there's several opportunities, several possibilities here, and so I've got to go from from one person to the next person, I've got to kind of, you know, you've got, you got to test the waters, right? And then eventually, if you just keep gambling, you might just get lucky, right? Isn't that the narrative? And then we end up with all this emotional baggage and relationship damage that we bring into other relationships, and we wonder why there's so much dysfunction there. That's not really, I don't see that really supported in Scripture, this notion of dating and going from relationship to relationship to quote-unquote find the soulmate, which, by the way, is Greek philosophy we can talk about another time. Right? Just this one, like, person, okay? So here it is. What actually God wants you to do is as you're in this crowd, there's so many different options there. God says, look, lift your eyes up off that crowd and put it up on me. Focus upward, look up to heaven, focus on God, right? And as you're focused on God, the other person that has that God, Christ-centered orientation, is in the crowd. They're also focused on God. And guess what? God has a funny way of taking people that are focused on Him in a crowd and causing them to bump into each other. Let God prepare and bring them. Let God prepare and bring them. No contribution on the part of Adam in this process. Did you notice that God just is so amazing? He says, look, this is almost like what Jesus does for you. This is a gift of grace. You didn't contribute to this thing except receive it and accept it. Right? God's like, I don't need your help with this. I got this. Now what I need you to do, focus on your purpose, focus focus on the relationship with me, with me, and I'll bring the person that's also doing the same thing. I really do got this. Like, I'm God. I'm the throne. Right? But we get nervous and we want to get Scoot, scoot, God, give me a second. Let me, let, let, me, let me do this thing a little bit. I think I could probably do it better than you. God brought her to the man. Notice that he brought her to the man in the environment where Adam was serving. He brought her, in, he brought her to Adam in the environment where God and Adam communed. Where there was fellowship with God. Where there was serving on behalf of the Lord. That's the environment that they found one another. That's the environment that God prepared her for him. Sometimes we get a little anxious, don't we? We really do. We, we, we really want to do things our own way. I, know, I remember when I was in this place. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not sharing this with you as if I've, I've arrived here. You know what I mean? Uh, I can tell you if I had time, in my past, I certainly was that guy. Now, I may not have gone to an extreme, but I certainly got my heart broken a few times because, look, I was just trying to, I had a different wiring and orientation, though I was a follower of Jesus, on how this whole dating, relationships, courting, uh, 
thing goes. And so I remember it got to a place where I, most of my, like, I don't even consider those, I mean, it was like six-month relationships. I mean, but there was this one that I thought was the one. But really and truly, I ignored warning signs the Lord was giving me. And I tried to do that thing in my own strength, right? Only taking the counsel that kind of sounded like what I wanted to hear. And I messed that thing to the point where I was so hurt that I finally just said, you know what, I'm done with the whole relationship thing. I'm focused straight up on God. I'm pouring myself into ministry. I'm pouring myself into my profession. And it was, it was once I got to that place of surrender that about a year and a half later, God brought Deidre into my life. What if we just simply need to throw up the white flag and say, God, I want you to be God in this. This is where godly counsel is important. Because sometimes our vision is short-sighted, even if we have a relationship with Jesus. It's sometimes hard to get your desires and wants, as he's still sanctifying you, right? Confused with what God may want. And so it's good to have other people that are in relationship with God, that God can speak to. You need to go to his word, you need to be in prayer about this thing, but this is where you really do need godly counsel. This is where I get really excited, I get happy, I smile when I hear young people, a couple, getting, watch this, pre-engagement counseling. Pre-engagement counseling. Before I actually buy the wedding ring, before I get plane tickets, set a date, why don't I kind of find out if there's evidence that God sent them? that this may be who God is. Why don't I have a, a, a pastor uh, or, or, or a spiritual counselor, somebody that can actually walk me through a process? Why don't I speak to other people in my life that have my best interest to heart, that are connected to God, and get a kind of a collective sense of what God is saying to me? The fruit. You don't want to date based on or engage based on potential. This is not the time for potential at that point. When they show you who they are, right? Believe them. Amen. You're looking for fruit. You're looking for a consistent pattern of who the person is, particularly in their relationship to God. Remember, God, the first person that, that Eve knew was God before she met Adam in the garden. She had a relationship with God prior to having a relationship with, with, with Adam. And so you want to look for fruit of a relationship with the Lord. By the way, if you are a teenager right now, you definitely need to be perking up your ears right about now. It can save you a lot of heartache today. All right? So here's what we need to focus on now. Ah, I love this. By the way, uh, Auntie Ellen, I love what she says here in Patriarchs and Prophets. She says this, uh, talking about when it comes to uh, Eve, when God made uh, uh, Eve from the rib of Adam. Because of time, I'll just let you know. She, she says this right about here. She says, uh, Eve was created from the rib, taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as head, nor to trample under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an, as an equal, to be loved and protected by him. Equal. Yeah? By the way, Epistonus, and again, I probably, I think I said this a few months ago, is that notice it was after sin that God said, your desire should be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Description, not prescription. There was a different ideal prior. Hello. Ellen White is echoing that sentiment coming from the scriptures. And here's the other thing. Here's the third and last thing. You need to enter marriage with a true sense of oneness. Let's go real quick to verse 23 to 25. The Bible says this, a true sense of oneness. The Bible says this, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of 
man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they both were naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You need to enter marriage with a sense of true oneness. This is kind of what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 17, his long high priestly prayer, where he's talking about the oneness he wants to see in the body of Christ, in the followers of Jesus, because it reveals that the Father sent him. The most evangelistic thing that we can do is be loving and united and one. But guess what? That is actually to come out, that is actually supposed to be the reality that multiple families and marriages create in the church. So this thing is actually supposed to be modeled and experienced first at home. Oneness. Why is that, why is that so important to God? You see, we're so different. We, we all come from different backgrounds. One of the things, by the way, when they told me I was coming to Vienna, I was like, woohoo! I love the richness of the diversity here at this church, which is such a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, the creativity of God. Right? Hello, we need to be proud of that thing and praise God for it. But here it is. You see, oneness does not mean that you are exactly the same. Did you notice he said, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's speaking to, you're like me, we're similar, you're human. <laughs> you had animals, right? I got a human now, praise the Lord. There's some core things that you both need to share. There's some core things that need to be similar. You need to have some like passions. There needs to be enough uh, of commonality between the two of you to have a solid foundation. But he also says you are one man. That's different from man. So they're similar, but they're different. You're different in personality. You're different in, 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 in even in, in structure. You're different in gender, hello. We're different, but we're one. We're brought together in the oneness of marriage, by the way, which is supposed to reflect the oneness of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? You know the Shema that they say, in uh, the, the, the Jews say in their prayers every morning, the Lord our God is one. You know that word one there is primarily not so much talking about a rigid singularity, but talking about one in unity and love. You see, the oneness that we're supposed to be experiencing is a oneness in the, in the midst of difference. You see, you need to have some things that are central and core to the relationship, some foundational things that are non-negotiables, as I would suggest, okay? And, and so here's some things you want to just, as we close, here's some things you want to you pay attention to. And this is coming, by the way, from Dave Ramsey. He had this book called The Total Money Makeover. If you have uh, seen our grow groups, there's an option there for the Financial Peace University uh, course, highly recommend it. But here's uh, something coming out of that. It says marriage, marriage counselors tell us that couples who can agree on four, how many? Four major issues have a made, have a much higher probability of a successful marriage. Those four, here it is. No, notice the first thing. Things are religion, in other words, shared household faith, in-laws, boundaries and influence, etc. Parenting and money. It's the total money makeover. So he's going to end on that, of course, right? If you keep these four pillars standing strong in your, in your marriage, you will have a leap, a leg up on most of the couples you know. Did you notice what he said first? You see, you're more than just your cultural background in terms of your identity, in terms of what is central to who you are. You're more than just your, your, where you were brought up in terms of the nation you were from. 
Central to who you are is who you are in Christ. Amen? And, and, and Jesus says, I am the way, the what? Truth and light. But then in John 17, 17, he says, your word, sanctify them by your truth. Your what? Word is, hello, talk to me. Is truth. Is it not right? So which is it? Is it Jesus is the truth or is the Bible the truth? Well, both. Yes. Because the word and all of its teachings, all of its prophecies, all of its poetry, everything, all the, all, everything in it is pointing you to Jesus who's the truth. And so you need to have commonality in that area of what's core to your identity if you're a follower of Jesus and surrender to him. You need to be core. That needs to be a core element of who you are and you need to find somebody that is in harmony spiritually with you. Hello. You see, Jesus said this in a different context, but the principle applies. He says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen? You don't want to be divided on the central things that cause most people to get, get divorced today. And it's these four areas, by the way. You want to be united in these areas. Of course you're going to be different, right? You're, I mean, one person you know, may think that uh, I should just straight up be vegan, vegetarian until Jesus comes. And someone else may say, hey, look, I'm eating the clean meats. He gave me permission. You know, that's not like core. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's important. Follow me. But, 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 but you need like, you know, one person may be like, you know, I kind of like to just stay home. And the other person's like, no, I need to go out, man. Like the world. I know we're married now, but hello, I like to, I like to travel. And I get those differences and you can work through those, right? But there's some core things. Right? Because, by the way, it's not just what you believe. What you believe puts you in a place of mission. You see, mission has a message. And so you need to be in harmony in these areas. Of course, there's the in-laws, and then there is, of course, how you're going to raise your children, which is connected to the first thing I just talked about. And then, of course, your finances. People are breaking up in droves based on these things. But here is, we talked about marriage now. Here is the mission of marriage. Because you're doing all these things that we just talked about. For a purpose. For a what? For a purpose. Look what God says in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. He says, He did not make them one, speaking of Adam and Eve, right? Having a remnant of the Spirit and why. Why did He make them one? What does He say? He seeks what? He seeks what? And why is that? Look what He says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 27 to 28. So God created man in His own image. In His own what? Image in the image of God, singular. He created him, male and female, plural. He created them, plural. God blessed them and said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. What is the image of God? Why was it important for them to become the agents of multiplication in the earth? Why was that important? Well, God from all eternity past has never been alone. The Bible reveals to us that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They've always existed in covenant, faithful love and relationship. God is community. And so when he talks about the image of God, it's not just the character, but it's the character in the context of other-centered relationship and community. That's why when he makes Adam, he says he made man. Male and female, he created them. They were to reflect the image and the relational unity and character of God. And so he wants to multiply this image in the earth. This is before sin. They had a mission. You need to create more people that reflect my image. But guess what? If you're single, you also have this mission. Aren't we to go and make disciples and we're to multiply disciples and be fruitful as a follower of Jesus? 
So before you even get married, you need to have this, I need to multiply the image of God. I need to multiply the image of God. I need to seek disciples. But guess what? Your primary disciples after you get married, when you have children, is your children. Why? Because God wants godly offspring. Follow this. Godliness is love. It's not someone that's just stoic and astute and boring. Godliness is love in the context of relationships and that permeates everything you think and believe and do in mission. God is looking for people to reflect His glory, particularly after sin, so people can be, hello, saved. Marriage has a mission, family. You may be saying, CJ, I've certainly fallen short. May I encourage the praise team to come as we sing our closing song. You may be saying, you know, CJ, look, I, I'm hearing these relationship ideals and I fall way short. Hello. That's why I said ideals, amen? Because guess what? We need Jesus, don't we? We're broken, family. Many of us, including us individually, have fallen short of the glory of God, which, by the way, is the image of God. His character of love, which is revealed in the law of love. Amen? You know what people need that don't meet ideals? They need grace. Grace. Come on, somebody. Jesus came, the Bible says in Hebrews 1, He came and He's the express image of God. If you want to know what relational faithfulness and love looks like, look at Jesus. Go to the cross of Christ and see God saying, look, I know you don't, you don't add up individually or as a couple. I get it. But watch this. If you would surrender to me and give me this whole thing, I have a way of rewriting the story and flipping the script. I have a way of taking that which is broken. Do you know that marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant, there's a difference. A contract like a business contract, you can come out of if one person doesn't meet their end of the bargain, right? 50-50? You're not in a 50-50 relationship if you're in a marriage covenant. A marriage covenant says, I give 100% of the time, all the time, till death do us part. That's why Jesus fulfilled covenant on your behalf when you couldn't. And then went to the cross because you couldn't. Covenant says, Back in the way that they used to practice it, they would cut an animal and they would walk through the midst of it, like what God did with Abraham. Because they're saying, if I break this covenant, if I break this relationship, may I die and be cut in pieces like this animal. Guess what? We broke covenant. Who went to the cross and was cut? Jesus. He is faithful to covenant. And when you receive Jesus, guess what? He says, I credit you as if you've never been relationally dysfunctional. I, I cover you as a couple. And now I'm going to enter into your life and I'm going to fix it. Would you rest? Would you rest in me like Adam? Will you go to sleep and watch me take initiative and open your eyes and see what I'm doing? Can I fix it? Do you trust me? Because I know how to fix it. Family, there is a mission to marriage. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story 
of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.